welcome to the Anime Book Club. Today we'll be discussing JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, The Stardust Crusaders, episodes 27, 28, and 29. I'm Pat. Matt, how's it going? It's going great. These were fantastic episodes. We got triple like thunderstorms and the and the death of Craig the robot has set us back, but we're ready to talk. Ugh. <laughs> My goodness. And uh, for people that have found this podcast, this is uh, as it sounds. Uh, we uh, watch Anime Book Club style. We watch the serving size uh, every single week. This time, the serving size happened to be three episodes. Uh, before we get in, uh, do you have anything you want to say before before we jump into these bad boys? Um, this first episode is a lot better than I thought it would be. <laughs> yeah it's so funny they tease these two characters at the end of the previous episode and you're like uh-oh and that it's great that it's great it is um going into this did you did, like bet, betting money did you think this is going to be another justice episode no i had no idea okay. i thought i really thought this was going to be one where it's going to be like oh my god i thought it would have the tone of the following two episodes yeah i'm excited yeah. about the tone it had well, let's, let's, we won't talk around it anymore. We'll jump right into it. Um, it opens up. The brothers are on that bus reading their comic book and, uh, you know, kind of recapping their whole, they, how they, they avoided that other bus and how they're doing their thing. And um, <laughs> it is revealed that they are going to poison our heroes. And they just need to follow the steps to poison them. And we are revealed that uh, our villains have the stands of uh, Toth or Thoth is the uh, fortune-telling comic book stand. And then what I couldn't even view as useful is we have uh, Noom, which just allows him to change his face. <laughs> it's like the shitty version of, what was it, Gold something? What was his name? In, in JoJo or? In JoJo. You remember him. The guy who could actually change his body was Kakyoin for an episode. Oh, my God. Uh, gold, uh, Yellow Temperance. Yellow, Yellow Temperance. Like, you know, the one that was actually useful. You could do the whole body, and it made him invulnerable. <laughs> this idiot, it's like his you... face, and he and shows I... it off like right at the beginning too. He's like, and I could change my face, and he changes it to like a Looney Tune grin. Yeah, it's like you don't look like. Is in my head, it's like he's like with my with your fortune telling and my face changing. We're gonna kill these guys, and I'm like, you don't what? look anything like anybody. They don't know who you are. Does How Dio... does a face? <laughs> does Dio know he recruited these two? I am already curious about that whole thing where it's like, I see nine people walking. Um, like, could they tell one of them was a really crazy kid with Marge Simpson hair? They both got crazy hair. They got like really weird, like obelisk hair, basically. Yeah. They got, oh yeah, I guess he keeps his hair under his hat. He's got a yeah. baseball, stupid baseball cap. Uh, the design of these characters is great. Um, it's, it's fantastic. And I, did you get, are you freaked out by the laugh of the little brother? I can't, I don't know which one's yeah. which one. So the little guy, the little guy uh, whose name I believe is Boingo. So Boingo. Or Mondata. Or Mondata, depending on where. I'm just going to call Boingo and Oingo because those are the only ways I'm going to be able to remember this. Um, anyway, they go forward. They find the bar they're supposed to be at where they're going to you know, meet up with a gang and give them poison tea. Uh, we have a moment that's like really quick and brutal where uh, Oingo murders the uh, waiter or owner of the establishment with, with a frying pan. We get yeah. like a big blood spray and everything. It's like super brutal. It was yeah, brutal. This probably happened at least once before to the JoJo team too, when uh I don't even remember which stand it was. Remember the guy owned the uh the, the kebab stand? The uh You the mean Steely Dan and It Lover? was Steely Dan, that's right. 
Hell yeah! Our this... favorite villain of the series, Steely Dan. This keeps happening all around the JoJo team. But he knew kebab prices. He had a normal price, but he sold kebabs. I'm it's... still confused. I bet it wasn't his store. He just always had a dream, Pat. Yeah. He, he saw his one. shot and he took it. My passion is keeping track of kebab prices in these countries. Anyway, they murder that guy. It seems to be like, oh my god, is this going to be a serious episode? And then the little brother, Boygo, does this like, <laughs> laugh, and it's great. It's not even like a, it's like a, yukiki, yukiki. It's yeah. like... I feel bad because the dub actor, I immediately paused and turned it on to English and then went back and went, well, nope, didn't nail it. <laughs> oh, oh is... the, the brother has a similar laugh later in the episode too, I think. Like, oh, yeah. They, they, have... they both have really goofy laughs. These idiots are the best. Um, It's like a hiccup, like nervous tick laughter. It's awesome. And it just... They do a whole thing where you just get to watch them like they know how the gang needs to die. So they basically like work backwards from it, which I think is actually if he didn't have senseless face changing powers. I really like the setup of these guys. It's, a bit, it's interesting in so much that it doesn't seem like Toth is actually supposed to be influencing the future. Yeah. It's just, hey, here's what's going to happen. It, you do have the thing where like they're kind of slaves to it, too. Like you don't. They don't seem to have a say of it. They just know to, like, sidestep stuff. Right. Like, if you, oh, well, if this bad thing happens, and uh, it happens at a panel we're not in, maybe we can get out of the way. Like, it, it's it's an interesting rule set. I do think it's kind of neat. Uh, we then cut back to the gang, and Paul Raff is smoking. He, I guess he's of age, because I don't think he ever gets censored. He didn't get censored. I totally forgot that at first... <laughs> In my notes, I went through like a meltdown where like, why is Paul Nareff smoking? And then I'm like, wait a minute, Jotaro smokes. Yeah. This is nothing new. They all smoke. He just flings that on the ground like an asshole. The 80s, yeah. Um, And they, they kind of do like a little health recap. All swells Paul Nareff is smoking. Like, however, turns out this is Chekhov cigarette. So it is all worth it. <laughs> yeah. Um, we, we get a little health recap. Avdol is uh, going to be that's... fine. That cigarette goes off a couple times. Yeah, the cigarette gun. <laughs> so it's a it's it's a revolver. It's got multiple chambers. Um, but yeah, we find out that Avdol lost a lot of blood, but he's gonna be fine. And they're like, "Well, Kakyoin might go blind," so they they give us some steaks, <laughs> some some delicious delicious steaks. Um, and then uh, yeah, I don't understand. Is this something that people do? Because they're like, "Well, let's go and eat at a restaurant." And Polnareff like spits his cigarette out and. Or does he flick it? He flicks it or he spits it. Anyway, it's on the ground and he lets it fall and they go in the direction of um the direction of the restaurant that the cigarette points at. A cigarette picked that one. I don't yeah. know if it, I've ever heard anyone doing that. It's kind of uh, at least similar to that trope that you see in like old Japanese films where you know you let a stick fall. Yeah. And it gets a crossroads and you pick which one it pointed at. Um I then yeah. Yeah, it, it 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 maybe it's more of a Japanese thing, yeah. Uh, I then wrote in my notes uh, that I was really bothered by the f that that he uses his face changing powers here because they don't know what he looks like. I didn't even notice, did he? Yeah, he uses a face changer before <laughs> they come in. I didn't even notice. I guess that goonish look is not his normal yeah. look. Okay, he's like, gotta get ready, and it's like, no, wait, why? <laughs> well, because he doesn't want them to know his real face, right? I guess, but they'll be dead. That's the plan. Anyway, uh, the gang comes in and they order three teas, just as has been foretold in the comic book. Um, however, before that happens, Joseph's like, hold up. 
I've seen this show before, and I was in a previous season. <laughs> they are remarkably prescient through this whole episode. There's a couple of great moments of where it's yeah. like, they've all seen the show. And he basically goes like, uh, never mind, we're, we need like a sealed drink, so get us some Coca-Colas. And like the guy walks over and he's like, hold on. Get me like the middle one, the third one from the left, and the second one from the right. Like he gives like insane, like randomized, there's no way unless everything in this place was poisoned directions, which I was applauding. <laughs> yes, they're, they're finally starting to take this stuff seriously. Someone has finally seen the show. I dig that. Except um, Paul Nareff. Except Paul Nareff, goes like, come on, how will <laughs> we get poisoned? Come on. It's like, no one's done that before. When I was around, he's like, he's, I wrote in my notes like smoking Paul Nareff has ignored all of the other murder co coincidences they've been a part of, like the murder hotel they stayed at, or the murder kebab place they went to, or literally every town they've been to having like the um uh, the baby. Yeah, the like, baby wanted they, to kill him. They ran into the baby, like the murder baby. I don't, they, they, not, they don't know if they know that though. Yeah, that's a good. Well, they already made fun. Cat Cohen already. Yeah. They already laughed about the fact he's like, "Oh yeah, you guys don't remember that episode." <laughs> um, but to 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 you know to continue with it, they get up and they're like, "Hey, all right, well let's just go somewhere else then and really swerve." And they look, and the cafe that they want to go to is now on fire, and it is highly insinuated that it was lit on fire by Paul Nareff like flicking a cigarette. <laughs> Which I I I don't want to give him excuses for just throwing a butt on the ground like that but there's no way yeah like it was in the middle of the road nowhere near the building stayed lit lit that place on fire oh i skipped a quick step um they're about to get their their cokes and then uh, like and all the while like this low stakes scenario of men ordering cokes instead of teas both the brothers are like what is going on um some dude at the restaurant goes like my coke is warm and he's like sorry sir the the fridge is out and they're like oh shit warm coke we need to go somewhere else and that's and the fire makes them go back the fire makes them go and they order their teas they order their teas i do love it. it's it's like this is a murder but like it it functionally this is like set up like a, a weird like hitchcock tension episode but it's also the dumbest thing ever well, they were, they were sipping that tea for, I feel like, a good 20 seconds. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, so we they get tea and they start sipping it. And it looks like, well, it's like slow-mo. Both brothers are like, they got to drink it all. And we have, the, we have the rule of they have to drink all of the tea. Like, however the poison is done, like, I guess, like, I don't know, just so that the tea doesn't turn, like, purple or bubbles or something, there's just enough poison that they have to drink the entire tea. Well, I don't think they ever got a single gulp was what it came down to. Yeah. Well, it, I, it, yeah. It yeah, just yeah. entered their mouth. And it just stayed in their mouth. Yeah. So they, well, that's like in slow motion. I think we're seeing it from the brother's perspective is watching all of them drink tea. Right. Um, it is funny though, because like as they just initially all do their um first sips, uh the the hero of the gang, Iggy, shows up. <laughs> and, and I yeah. He's just a canine deus machina, I think, since he joined at this point. He is a total deus machina. I also think he looks kind of different. Yes, his design has definitely changed. He's uh, less ugly this episode. He's still bizarre and weird looking. He's, but he's, 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 they, uh, they softened his eyes a bit or something. He looks more cute. He's got like a more roundish head, too. Like It's, yeah. it's like taller up top. It, it's weird. Iggy he's, continues to be weird. He's not as unpleasant to look at right now. 
And in fact, I think in some of the video games, like Iggy's two designs are so different that you can unlock those as like outfits. Wow. Like weird, like full dog face Iggy and whatever Iggy becomes. Uh, but yeah, so Iggy shows up. He causes a big mess. They all spit take me. It's like, oh, our dog. And they all run off uh, after the dog. And it's funny because the brothers like kind of freak out. He's like, wait, no, what? No, this is not. Ah. And they're like, well, I guess the, I guess there'll be more pages. I guess there'll be more pages. And they cut an incredible promo about how awesome they are while they wait for the comic book to fill up. Because <laughs> they're the Oingo Boingo or Zenyatta Mandata brothers. Oh, man, it's it's great to watch this show where the subtitles are never right <laughs> uh, to avoid copyright. Uh, the comic book comes up. They're like walking around and the comic book that tells them to like punch or uh, and uh, punch and, or, and beat up a random dude. And they immediately do that. They punch a guy They're like, ah, we hate how this guy looks. He's got glasses or something. They punch the guy. He runs away and he drops his wallet. And they're like, yay, we're rich. And uh, I, I wrote in my notes, I love these creepy little idiots. <laughs> like, poor guy. Poor guy. Just randomly, the comic book told me to do it. Comic book told me to do it. Well, it's like, well, even if the comic book didn't tell me, I just don't like your face. Yeah, he's like, man, you're you're double unlucky. Even if we the comic book didn't tell me to do this, I would do it. Uh, it, it is kind of funny. Then the book updates again. We got our next leg of this. So, uh... The book that tells them that um, Jotaro and the gang are going to go to the hospital to see their friends, and that they will then, the Ogoboingo brothers will, and I don't know if this is something that's more common overseas, but they will create an orange bomb to blow up Jotaro's face. Of course, it's all the extra citrus. Makes it extra great. It was really weird. It's like, weird. I did love, like, orange bombs. Like, you're going to hollow out an orange and turn it into a bomb. I, I did think that was weird. Did you so at this point, spot check before this moves forward, did you have any idea where this was going? No, absolutely not. This episode is crazy. It is off the rails. Awesome, cool. So let's just continue to enjoy it. Uh we have maybe God, in a see if an episode of incredible scenes, like bravo to the director, the direction. <laughs> it cuts to uh Oingo, the the older brother, just Whistle walking by the, the gang's car, and then he's just like, do, 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 bam, and then hits it with a wrench really hard to break open the door, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. The comedic timing, all of that, I thought was really, really funny. This whole episode's got great pacing to it. It's incredible. It's incredible. And uh, he, he then uh, goes in, and he's trying to like put his orange bomb in with the bag of oranges that are in the back of their car. And uh, the little creepy boy watches and laughs and continues does it his creepy laugh while he does it. They're great. They're excited. That is until Joseph and Paul and Raph see a random stranger in their car because he took too long planting the bomb. And you know what? I, I don't know if I feel dumb or not, but I didn't realize this would be his plan. <laughs> <laughs> you get full excuses for it because this shouldn't have been his plan. So This was terrible. He, he knows that Chotaro isn't there, so he uses his stupid Thoth power to, or uh, um, Noon power, to look like Jotaro, but only in the face and hat, I guess. Face and hat. <laughs> like, he peeks over and it's him. So his voice is changed. He has his face. He has the front of his hat, but he has the stupid tall hair. <laughs> yeah, it's like still got like an obelisk coming off of him. He's. <laughs> 
like this super tall hair, which then goes into the hair hat thing because his, yeah. his hat changed into the hair hat. He's wearing like a jean jacket. He's got a really weird Egyptian t-shirt. Like it's, it's incredible. And it's so much so that both of them are like, <laughs> where's your school uniform? The thing that he's been adamant about never changing out of for the entire season. <laughs> it's just so funny. Because he's like, they have this thing where it's like, they immediately call him out on that. And he's like, I, I uh, took it to the, uh, to the uh, dry cleaners and uh, I had to do like they ask him a bunch of questions and they buy it so well that they decide to take him with <laughs> they're like come on hop in the car Jotaro let's go <laughs> it's like no universe where he's actually passing as Jotaro right now it's so poorly done but they like he just they bought his uh, he just nailed it's like if this were Fallout, he nailed like a speech check of one out of a hundred. <laughs> like he rolled a perfect, like, all right, well, let's just go. <laughs> and the best part is he sits in the car and then immediately realizes that the Jotaro who the orange bomb is going to kill is him. And he's like, he immediately starts freaking out, which is incredible. <laughs> he's doing all this with Jotaro's face too. So it's yeah. and voice. Basic, yeah, and voice. Because uh, I read on the, was reading on the wiki page in their interview or whatever. Um, that the voice actor, the Japanese voice actor for Jotaro, had a blast doing this episode because he got to do all these things that Jotaro would never do. He probably emotes more in this episode than he will the rest of the history of Jotaro. Now, <laughs> so he's in that car with, with Polnareff and um, and uh, Joseph, right? Joseph, yeah. Did you think, how did you come down on what was going to happen here? Did you think they were fucking with him? I, no, no. So, yeah, I, I, I wasn't quite sure if, if if they were. Because, like, I waffled back and forth once or twice, but mm-hmm. I kind of bought it to the end of, like, all right, well, they're only kind of paying attention. It's like, there's no way. Like, I was thinking this whole time. Like, at least at least for most of the ride, I kept, I kept going back and forth. Always on the side of, there's no way. There's no way that they're this paranoid, see that, and are doing these things. They've got to know. There were other things that were throwing me off, like Polnareff smoking and Joseph driving. I felt like we had slipped into an alternate reality. <laughs> this is the weirdest Sliders episode. Yeah, it's like, hi, I'm Polnareff. I smoke. That's my thing. I've always smoked. And this is Joseph. He drives. We always let him. Yeah, he's always the driver. But yeah, it's just, it's so good. It's so goofy. He freaks out. He does all of his freaking out thing. And God, it's so... I think I have the word like amazing bit, great bit, fantastic bit, just all over my notes. So he 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 needs to get rid of the orange bomb. So he picks it up and he's like, throws it out the window. And he's like, oh, that's not going to kill me. And then they look in the rearview mirror. It's like, hey, Iggy's following the car. It looks like he's got an orange. <laughs> uh... <laughs> And he brings the arch back in, which is so good. Tech Yoin is still best boy, but Iggy might be best good boy. He is definitely best good boy. He's because like the, the fact, like, I feel like Iggy knows what's happening. He has to, because he can sense stands. So maybe he's maybe he's perfectly he's purposely screwed with this guy. He's the one I think knows. Uh we finally get Chekhov's cigarette, where we find out the reason that Polnareff is smoking is because apparently in the moments we don't get to see Jotaro, he's kind of a cool guy. <laughs> he is, uh, when he smokes, he's able to flip the cigarette 
into his mouth, hold it backwards, and let the smoke rise out of his, you know, up his up his uh, nasal passage and come out of his nose without the cigarette being put out by his tongue. There is, uh, this is one of those moments where I get, there's no way Jotaro does that. He's, he's, he's fucking with him. Uh, there's, and yet again, in my mind, it's like, maybe he does it and he's, and he's like, yeah. Like he, he, he does it and he doesn't celebrate it. He's like, yeah, I'm just doing this thing. But that, that's the other problem is he's like, yeah, I could do this thing. And he's like, yeah, but you know what? This time I want you to do it with five cigarettes. <laughs> and we get this amazing image of Joseph Joestar with five cigarettes in his mouth. Hold up, hold up, because I think you skipped something very important right before you told, asked him to do this trick. What What? what up? It was when Polnareff turned around and straight up said to his face, you're a fake, aren't you? Yeah! <laughs> like, he just point blank said that. God, why don't I? Yes, yes. I was too excited about the cigarettes to really write that. Thank you for including that. And yeah, yeah, but it turns out he's just being a dickhead. <laughs> it's so good. I, I, I th this just makes me wonder what their car rides are like these days. If this like, is how things keep happening. How much have we been missing out on in those cars? Exactly. Exactly. This is like so crazy. Um. <laughs> And meanwhile, like, they literally must... I can get Polnareff. Maybe Polnareff is just too dense to pay enough attention to anyone around him to pick up on the differences. Because this whole time, like, Jotaro's face is making expressions that I'm not sure Jotaro is physically capable of. Yeah, he's doing a lot of emoting. He's very, like, Looney Tunes. He's very cartoony. He's, like, screaming, and he's breaking a sweat. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so we have this cigarette bit. And I want to give credit to the music because like um, he has to do the five cigarettes and like we get like a space brain thing where it looks like he's in like outer space while he's thinking about how he could do it. And the animation is and the music goes really goofy. Looney and Tunes. Awesome. Like yeah. straight up Looney Tunes. Yeah. And he carefully and Shirley flips all five cigarettes into his mouth. And then <laughs> Polnareff goes like, and now do that other thing you do where you drink juice without, without unlighting the cigarettes. Like he's fucking with him, right? <laughs> he's gotta be. <laughs> it's just that Jotaro is a real cool dude. <laughs> like we never get to see this side of Jotaro who's apparently way into cigarette tricks. How cool is that? How cool of a dude uh. is he? <laughs> and Joseph freaks out in the front seat. He was like, oh my god, are you okay? Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, we get an oh my god when he burns his mouth. Like, that's the yeah. thing after all the stuff he's watching. He's like, oh, you've gone too far, my grandson. The Huberus! The Huberus! <laughs> oh, and the cartoony music keeps going on like, even oh. as the younger Oingo Boingo brother is trying to chase down the car from outside. Yeah, and he's like, oh, God, my brother, you got to get out of there. You're going to blow half your face off. I... And then we get this really weird bit where um, Paul Nareff has, I don't know where he read this, maybe on like a popsicle stick or a gum wrapper, where they have this extended bit about because um, because Jotaro has his, his, his left thumb over his right thumb because he's clenching his hands because of how nervous he is. Uh, Paul Nareff points that out, and for half a second, the guy's like, oh my god, do they know how they hold their hands? And he's like, ah, it just means you're a lady in your past life. He's like, I was always a dude. Look how mine's right over the left. 
And even Joseph gets into this, where he like looks at his hands while he's driving, and is like, I guess I was a lady. <laughs> really? I always put my left them on top, too. Yeah. Oh, man. And the best part is, it's while he's driving, which I think is the funniest <laughs> thing in the world. They don't usually let him drive for a reason. Exactly. He gets distracted too easily. It's way too distracted. <laughs> but this also still freaks out the guy, and he's like, I gotta get out of this car. I gotta get out of this car. Here's my plan. I'm gonna do. Uh, I'm gonna say I have a stomach ache, and they have to let me out, and I'll just tell them to go on ahead. That's my plan. And before he could say that, Polnareff's like, "Random orange eating contest." <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> I was honestly starting to worry that as humorous as episode was, is this really gonna end with the younger brother seeing his older brother die? <laughs> I guess at a certain point, that is the tension of this because it is. And Paul Neraf is like like magooing his way through this so well that you almost start to empathize and feel bad for the bad guys. <laughs> is this is like I feel like this goes in the case of like, oh, is this the first time this has never not worked for them? Like they've never had to improvise before? Is that always seems to be like a thing with stand users where it's like, haha, I never fight other stand users, so I always have the upper hand and I've never had to adjust for this. Right. These guys don't seem to know how to pivot. Uh, Thoth could not uh, compensate for the sheer idiocy of the Joestar group. <laughs> uh, oh my god, it's great. I like, I like it. Oh god, we, it's something we haven't been mentioning. It's going to come up again soon. Is yeah. that the moments that we have where it feels like uh, Noom? I don't remember the Boingo. The older brother is in the back seat. Every single time where he's thinking his uh, cover's about to be blown, yeah, we get this serious stare from Polnareff and Joseph going, hmm. Mm. Like, we get almost like a Pillarman level of, hmm. <laughs> going, mm. it's, it's everything about this. Like, this is a real hard one. Um, there, I don't know. It's a real hard one to describe because the execution is so well. The idea is yeah. so silly. The execution is perfect. Um, oh my god, it's great. They uh they they do not have that random orange eating competition because Paul Nareff is holding is holding the orange and uh, the orange the orange bomb that Iggy brought into the car. And um <laughs> Oh my goodness, it's so it's so gosh darn funny. Because um he's like, I gotta somehow convince them I have a stomach ache and they need to let me go, and I also need to get this orange bomb away from him. And oh my god, oh my god, and He's freaking out so much, and the Jotaro voice actor is absolutely incredible. And it all culminates with this weird moment where he wiggle worms. He wiggle worms from the back seat of the car into the front seat of the car. And, like, yeah, rolls out the window and then onto the ground. <laughs> I think it's uh, it's it's an incredible image to see. And it looks like he's going to get away with it. He's, like, super excited. He's like, oh, I'm getting out. And then Potter's like, hey, hold on. And he's like, what? What? We Like, there's a super epic stare down. Because yeah. it looks like he's completely blown his cover. And it's, like, a wordless. Like, I feel like there's seven back and forths. Mm -hmm. And it's it's another one of those wonderful gazes where it's just Polnareff and uh, Joseph going, hmm. We got him. Mm. We got him, boys. Yeah, we got him. We knew him all along. <laughs> but no, Paul Nareff apparently has toilet paper with him. 
Of course he's he a prepared does. Man. He's got to be. He's learned his lesson from the pig toilet. Yeah, watch out for pig toilets. <laughs> he said that that would have been great. Watch out for pig toilets. Huh? <laughs> oh, my God. It's great. And he uh, he takes the toilet paper. He runs off. He's going to go shit behind a rock, and they're going to go leave. And, like, the the best comeuppance of all time is that he had mentioned it's like, you, we don't want to eat that arch. It was in Iggy's mouth. And Paul Narf's like, ah, whatever. Dogs are great. And as they drive away, Paul Narf is like, you know what? This this arch is gross. So he throws it out of the car, and it rolls perfectly in front of the older brother, who then steps on it, and then it explodes. Oh, I love the look of shock on Jotaro brother's face, too. This is Jotaro's face still. He's like, I'm going to... The funny thing is, he's just like, I'm going to change my face after I go behind the shit rock. Well, I guess he doesn't want to do it in front of Paul Narath and Joseph. Now that I think about it. That, all right, so that still tracks. That still tracks. But yeah, we get a little bit where the, the younger brother comes up and he's like, I promise on my brother's dying body that I will kill these people on my own. And his brother's like, don't fuck with these guys. We are fighters. I've learned yeah. that. Fate is on is not on our side. And it looks like they have this moment before they can really come to their senses. That random dude they punch shows up with a boatload of dudes. And he's like, hey, beat the shit out of these guys. I'll reward you all handsomely. Oh, I was really worried that Big Brother had just was on his deathbed on the ground there for a second. Because we, we had the black sensor bars when his face split in half again i thought his face ripped open but he did yeah no he's just hurt i guess the bomb wouldn't have killed anyone apparently yeah i think jotaro probably would have like not even noticed them if 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 that's the amount of damage it did to that guy jotaro would have like coughed he was like that's a weird Uh, orange but the swallowed a six cigarette yeah uh cigarettes coming back up All these cigarettes I'm swallowing at all times. Um, we then we then get the payoff where Paul Naraf and Joseph arrive at the hospital and they have and they prove to the audience finally that they totally didn't realize it was Joe Tarobi's. They go like, What are you doing here? And you already have your outfit? How'd you get to the dry cleaners in here? What? And they still don't put it together. They still just think it was weird. Yeah. These people who were supposed to like they start this episode off being correctly hyper paranoid, right? Yeah, like, that was the wonderful setup of the whole episode. It was like, oh wait, they're being cautious now. No one's gonna fool these guys. And then it's a whole episode of them just being too fucking dumb, hanging out with an imposter the whole time in in the best possible way. <laughs> uh, we get more payoff too, where Jos- uh, Jotaro asks for an orange. He's like, yeah. oh, I w-. he's like, I was thirsty, and he starts eating an orange. And as he's eating an orange, uh, an ambulance shows up with the brothers in the back, and they're just like, they never even noticed us. They never even noticed us. And so the, hey, the another one of those uh, like retired stand scenes, wasn't it? Yeah, they're just defeated. They're just sitting yeah. in the back of the ambulance, like having been completely beaten up. Like they even beat up the little kid, which I guess you know what he's a murderer, so whatever. But it was yeah. weird to see him all beaten up. Um, yeah, and they they both acknowledge that it's like these two guys tried to kill them, and uh, no one ever even noticed. No one ever even noticed. And then, whatever, we get a sick ending beat. Uh, did you notice we didn't have an intro either? No, we didn't. Yeah, no intro. It was just the comic book, and then we have an actual extra, which is new. It was awesome. I loved the Oingo Boingo outro. 
Dude, it was so good. It was catchy. I loved it. I was like just sitting there being like, oh, yeah. Because like seeing that animation style in motion was a lot of fun and all over. It was just a, yeah. I had, I had very, a blast. Uh, it was very Japanese the music they use. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure there's an actual tune I could probably put that to if I knew the name of it. Yeah. It was great. I, I, I was a big fan of that. Ah, <laughs> oh, God, it's so good. It's so good. I love the brothers. So they're not dead. They're just retired. Do you think they'll come back? Like most of the stand users they fight are retired and not dead. That's a good point. <laughs> God, I love that episode. That was such a good episode. That was a lot of fun. It almost like it was almost so unimpactful it feels like filler, but it was at least entertaining the whole way. It was so well done though. And I, I almost yeah. I don't know if um like when you look at it in the grand scheme of things of like the episodes that follow, I kind of feel like it was nice to have that like okay, we we can exhale. We can exhale. Yeah, it was a pacer because the next couple episodes are uh, not as funny. Yeah, they're not as funny. And we also came off of the awesome like desert blind man battle. So I, I do think that that's a pretty good one. Oh, God, that really that was the last thing we watched, wasn't it? Yeah, so this is like the in-between. Yeah. It is funny. I, I, um, I think that as we – the next two episodes I think we'll cover maybe a little bit quicker. Um. We'll see. I don't. It's just weird to talk about this one because it's just like, well, this funny scene happens, and then this funny scene happens, and then this funny scene happens. It's a weird episode to talk about. I really like episode twenty-seven of JoJo. It's very fun. It's just it's it is the it's that moment where I'm like, oh shoot, this is definitely like I, it's not fully replaced two in my head, but holy moly, that is a really really good argument for making this be the best JoJo. Yeah. So good. But it's through sheer sheer numbers. Uh, you ready to move on to our, our two-parter? Yeah, let's do it. All righty. Sword fight time. Sword fight time. Uh, episode 28, Anubis, part one. Um, We find out that uh, that Abdul is absolutely fine and uh, that Kekoin's eyes will actually be okay in a couple of days. Uh before anyone can feel pretty good about him being fine, he then tells like a creepy story about a someone he knows being hit in the in the face with a baseball and his eye losing fluid, and Joseph is like icked out by that story. I love Joseph. He's still Joseph. He's very Joseph. Uh, we have a weird like kind of racist scene where Paul Naraf is like, "Why is this hospital in Egypt writing its bills in Arabic? <laughs> what is this squiggle nonsense?" It's a it's a weird. There's a weird bit where every now and then your Polnareff is not, oh, whatever. They, <laughs> these these people are human, I guess. He's never the sharpest tool in this shed, man. He really is. He's like, why is the bill all weird? We get a great scene, though. I guess maybe it's just because every now and then they're really quick with Polnareff getting comeuppance. Yeah, I guess that's true. Or maybe I shouldn't have thought because immediately we have this bit where like a group of nurses are all like completely like enamored with Iggy. Who's just sitting there with his gum, being cute? They're like, he's, "Oh, look at this dog with gum." He's not even really doing anything. He's literally just chewing gum. He's not acknowledging anyone. Yeah, he seems spaced out. Yeah, he's just he's just having a time. And uh, seeing this, Polnareff walks out there and he's like, "Yo, this dog is an asshole." <laughs> yes. Yeah, oh, uh, what was it? Like four nurses doting on the dog. 
Yeah, and he's like, don't dote on that. I thought he was like, hey, that dog's a buddy of mine. Why don't we get together? Yeah, right? Like, yeah. yeah. He he doesn't even like see that as a possibility. He walks up and like, hey, that dog sucks. <laughs> and then Iggy immediately jumps up, eats his hair, and starts tooting. And all the nurses laugh at him, and we go into the intro. <laughs> good times for everyone. It's so good. Hey, this is going to be a Paul Nerf episode, guys. I, I immediately had that thought. I'm like, hell yeah. And because we didn't have an intro last episode, uh, I totally was shocked and reminded of how much the new intro is just totally a banger. It's great. So cool. It's so I, cool. I didn't even mention it when we talked about this the first time, but I love how they work the order, order, order into the opening song yeah. at the end. Yeah. They just start shouting it back and forth. It's so cool. It's just so gosh darn cool. I love it. Uh, we cut back to the episode and... Uh, Weirdly enough, it is Joseph Joestar instead of the narrator. He gives a little speech about how the Egyptians buried their dead and then kind of turns it as, into a promo against Dio. And he's just like, the Egyptians buried their dead over there, but our enemies will come from all sides. <laughs> he's, doing, think... he's doing his best at being a leader, Pat. He's motivating. Ah, whatever. The best part of that scene is that Iggy's hol uh, is that Avdol's holding Iggy. That is my favorite part of that shot. Well, I didn't even notice, man. Well, Joseph is talking. I'm just going like, oh, that looks adorable. He's just holding Niggy. It's adorable. I think it's cute. I think it's cute, cute, cute. Um, <laughs> we then, uh, the camera pans over, and uh, we see like a random group of dudes with a cow. We got a Jiffy King like... Arthur in that. Mind your tongue. <laughs> the young King Arthur. Um, anyway, we have an extended scene where it's just like, boy, all these people suck. And this one dude seems like a real wussy. Uh, but then the wuss boy looks on the ground and sees an awesome, totally rad sword. And he's like, oh, hey, I found this. It's like um, he probably talks the way that Broily does at DBC Abridged. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, it's a really nice sword, guys. Yeah, it's really nice sword. Well, he's got like real anime protagonist vibes to him, too, because all the guys who are being shitheads to him are ugly. Like, they oh, are beautiful. all. And he is not. Like, he's got. He's got complexion of a god. Forget that. He's got all his teeth. You know, that's enough. For... He's hanging out with these guys. He's got <laughs> none of... They, they are missing teeth. They're weird. Guy's cut. Guy's cut. Um, And, yeah, he gets the sword. He's like, oh, hey, look at this neat, neat sword I got. And then they're all like, oh, let's sell this sword. He's like, oh, wait, but guys, that's my sword. Oh. But they all try to open it. None of them can open it. And... uh the boy's like, well, let me try and get this thing. And as he tries to pick it up, uh, one of the guy's hand, like, um, explodes in a cut. Like, the sword never leaves the sheath, but his hand, like, explodes into a cut. And immediately following, well, they're all freaking out about that. Weak boy opens up the sword, and it uh, it opens immediately, and hey, guess what? Boom. It's evil. It's an evil sword. Maybe it wasn't evil. Maybe it just gave him the confidence he needed, Pat. Exactly. Kill them all. To kill his dad, because one of the dudes is his dad, and the dad tries to take the sword. And like I'm still not quite sure how this happens because he goes from holding the sword to his dad like shaking him by the shoulder twice, and the sword like lazily like falls out of the Kai's hands and like immediately embeds itself into his dad's heart. It kind of um, and then it falls out of him onto the next guy's head. 
Yeah, and then like as he's like he takes a while to die too. Like he's gurgling on the ground, like, oh, I'm being murdered by this. And the other guy, one of his friends, like leads out, it's like, oh man, you're being murdered. And the sword wiggles and shaves off the front half of that dude's face. I laughed my head off at that. I thought that was really stupid. Did you what did you think of the face softening? I mean, the whole scene was cartoony and very bloody. It was like supposed to look like an accident or something, I guess. It was very silly. Uh, we, we we learned that Weeks Boy's name is Chaka. And, uh, yeah. The, the one true king of England now. Yeah, Chaka. Chaka, the one true king of England. Um, and then the sword speaks to him, and the sword is like, hey, guess what? My name's Anubis, and I'm a stand without a body. And Chaka's like, what are stands? Never mind. He doesn't even say that. He just immediately gives himself to the sword. Yeah, did you expect that there was a stand user at this point? I was like, yeah, I was like, wait a minute, is this a stand without a body, or is there a stand user somewhere? Like, it didn't have, add up to me. I thought it was it, a remote stand. It is definitely breaking some rules as presented right now. Yeah, I don't think he adds up at all. I'll, I will say that. Big spoiler for the next two episodes. I don't think Anubis makes any goddamn sense, um, especially when we learn his deal. Mm-hmm. Is what I will say. He's a furry. Uh, exactly. We don't get to see how dumb he looks yet. At least yes, I we think. do. Right there. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, when, he, when he's talking to Chaka, we see that big... Uh, it's like... I guess, I guess it's just because it's an anime interpretation, but it looks more cartoony than the usual Egyptian drawing of Anubis doghead looks like. I think at this point, he's not... He's looking at the camera, so it doesn't look as dumb, but when he... Uh, in the future, we will have profile shots, and he looks like Wile E. Coyote. Yes. Very he much. looks really bad. He looks really, really bad and stupid. And... I'm not a fan, I'm going to say. Not a big fan. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's evil. We get to then find out the sword's power because like, he's going he's gonna to kill the other guy and he swings the sword. The guy's like, oh, shoot, I'm going to hide behind this cow. And he swings the sword. The cow is unaffected. And the other dude like blows up in half. And uh, Yeah, the Nubis is giving him that whole speech at the time. He's like, now, Lord Dio commands you to kill Jonathan Joestar. Or not Jonathan, <laughs> Jotaro? Yeah, Jotaro. <laughs> the gang. Um, yeah. So, so the sword knows who they are, which means the sword already works for Dio. What? How did this setup happen? How In did my head, sword... Gana, Dio's behind that hill. He, like, threw it over <laughs> his shoulder. I think we just looked over one more rock Dio's hiding there with, yeah. like, a like a full, uh, like, sun protector on him. Some kind of... Oh, or maybe it's Hull Horse. Like... <laughs> You failed me, whole horse. It's like, well, what could I do to you not murder me and drink my blood? Put well, if you deliver a new <laughs> find the find the weakest looking boy and leave the sword in his path. Like this doesn't seem like it could possibly have been premeditated. Like we and we know for a fact that he can't like wiggle on his own. Like right. how did he get there? Oh shit! Wait, I have a total theory. Let's put a pin in this. I have a All theory right. I guess. Right. It, is, it is somehow explained later in the episode. Um, where were we? Oh, yeah. Uh, we get back, and uh, Polnareff is being like a little whiny baby for no reason. <laughs> for no reason. He's being Polnareff. Yeah, he's just he's being extra, though. Um, the gang is all walking around. Some dude tries to sell him some papyrus. He's like, check out my sick papyrus. And uh, unbeknownst to this guy, Polnareff apparently knows all about papyrus. <laughs> that was... He, He's yeah. uh he's a that was actually his study when he was going to French university. Yeah. He's like, oh, I study papyrus. 
This papyrus is nothing. And he tears up the dude's papyrus right in his face. Right in his face. <laughs> I'm sure the dude was probably lying about it, but still dick move. Yeah, let him let him try to, to steal from someone else. But yeah, this took on long enough for him to be separated from the herd. <laughs> um, and then we see that it's just him and Iggy, which is great. Oh, wait, now I remember. Yeah, Paul Norris being a whiny baby, he's hungry. And then Joseph is like, have one of pieces. We have one of like Iggy's gums. If you're gonna whine, have gum. And he gets separated. And Iggy comes up because he eats that very gum. And uh, and then in all caps, I know it's like, hold up, is this a Paul Nareff and Iggy episode? Yes. Please let this be a Paul Nareff and Iggy episode. Because Paul, Nar- I guess Paul Nareff is like, I don't know the exact equivalent, but he's the person everyone gets to team up with once. He's Zuko. Yeah, there we go. He's season three Avatar Zuko, where it's like I want to have a turn with him yeah. every time. Paul Nareff only elevates. You get an episode of Paul Nareff, you come out looking better. So that would have been great if we had had an Iggy Paul Nareff episode. I would have loved that. Yeah, but spoiler alert, that is not where this goes. Um, he's chasing after Iggy, and slowly but surely, Chaka. Chaka shows up. And uh, I wrote in my notes, for some dumb reason, Chaka has wrapped up Anubis in bandages. He looks like a mummy sword or something. I don't know why. For no reason. Like, no one's going to care that he's walking around with a nice sword. Makes no sense. Anyways, it makes so, no sense. So they go on a walk together. It's kind of neat. Like they walk side by side, and then Paul Nareff has like a dope ass like for the for like I I gotta give him credit. Paul Nareff has like a really good tough guy moment. He's like, oh, looks like you're probably the stand user, right? And it's like, oh shoot, he's being observant. <laughs> it's so weird that he saw right through this, but didn't see fake Jotaro for a whole episode. Yeah, I know. This is great. If he had looked like Jotaro, he could have like worn anything and held an axe and he'd be like, hey, Jotaro, what's up with the axe? But you know what? He, he he calls it as he sees it. We see another Egyptian fly and it immediately bites the dust like it lands on the, the sword and it dies, which I guess that's just more Dio people killing flies for ratting out Dio. <laughs> Dio declared war on those flies, man. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he. And and Chaka doesn't hold back. He's all like, "Yeah, I'm the stand user. What of it?" And Paul Nareff's like, "Yeah, this is pretty good. We're being wide open." It's like a really good. It's almost like a samurai moment, wasn't it? Where they they slowly walk together off into where away from everyone in this new battle arena with pillars all around them. Yeah, and they just start chatting. I don't know. What's that thing where it's like you have the two people and they're talking and you're like, "Oh wait, is someone?" It's like, oh, at any moment, one of them is going to pull out their sword and strike the other. Like, it's yeah. like that kind of direction. It plays well. I, 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 I feel like we haven't seen Silver Cherry in a while. No, I feel like we haven't seen a stand pulled out in a while. Ooh, yeah, you might mean overall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Silver Chariot, was, was, it was neat to see him. Um, and they, they start a sword fight, basically. Chaka with Anubis is attacking Silver Chariot. And Paul Nareff, it remarks that, like, oh, this guy's moving like an amateur. It's real weird that he's, like, trying to be so menacing. Um, but we we get a great moment where Anubis's ability to cut through things is used. Uh, Paul Nareff is hiding, but, like, uh, he hides behind a pillar, and Paul Nareff tries to get to him, and uh, he immediately cuts through the pillar, and we get a big blood spray cut from uh, Paul Nareff's chest. Uh, and then the dude starts moving anime quick, which I thought was kind of odd. I, I couldn't figure out why he could move anime quick. Like Chaka, Chaka gets like all uh, sped up. 
like when he tried to hide. I don't even remember what you're talking about anymore. So he cut he cuts Paulner off. Paulner's like, oh, this is real. Ah, oh, crap. This is crazy. I gotta fight this guy. And then they do that thing where it's just like zip, 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 zip. You see him like appearing behind like all of the pure pillars really oh, rapidly. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. He's like moving super fast. Polnareff, which yet again, Polnareff, good episode for him, is like, well, fuck this noise. He jumps on top of one of the pillars. He's like, ha Good luck trying to sneak around me now. And God, all this is great. Um, He's like, he doesn't get to give like an Obi-Wan, I have the high ground thing. Because immediately he sees Chaka, who is like riding a a pillar he's knocked over a pillar and is riding it towards Polnareff and before Polnareff can get crushed uh Silver Chariot like aims his sword out and shoots the blade out like a bullet it ricochets off a pillar and stabs Chaka in the neck and it's awesome move unlocked it was so like a fucking stone cold badass that that looks so cool and it was so quick how quickly it shot into, I don't know I I I thought that was awesome. It was really cool. It was a Polnareff's limit break has been uh, unlocked now. I was saving that for a special occasion. He and he does the anime thing where he's like, not even the Jos not even Jotaro knows about this move. Um, which is funny because like we already have Silver Chariot already has the ability to remove his armor, so it's funny to see that he's got um. The extra power, so to speak. Like, there's another extra secret hidden ability. Oh, that's his Starfinger. Oh, it's Starfinger. That's kind of how... Actually, yes, because that's how Starfinger is going to happen in the future, too. Yeah. So, uh, it looks like the the guy is down and out for the count. Like, he's on the ground, he's bleeding out, and uh, because he's a hero, Paul Nord's like, I didn't... Which BS is like, I managed to stab you in the throat in a way that didn't kill you. Wait, bullshit. He said that? I He's did like, not yeah. pick up on that. He said, I didn't kill you. I thought He's that like, dude was dead. He's like, oh, you seem like oh an amateur, God. so I didn't kill you. Definitely down for the count, though. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then we get what I think everyone must feel like this would, this would be moving towards. He notices that the sword is now back on the ground, and it is uh, sheathed. So he's like, huh, what the hell? Why, why did this thing, like, resheath itself? That's crazy. Um... And then he slowly tries to open us, open it, and Anubis starts to cast his like magic spell on Polnareff. However, the gang shows up right in time, <laughs> um, which is great because even though he had a sick ass fight and we saw a pillar fall, it is quickly shown that the the gang has no idea that a battle just happened. Like they're completely unaware. They were just worried about him for breaking the buddy rule. It was like you wandered off, young Polnareff, and while they're trying to be like, um. Like, you've done a bad job. Iggy is, like, losing his mind and barking at the sword because Iggy is a stand detector. But none of them pay attention to that. <laughs> and then I wrote in my notes, it's really cool that Polnareff then quickly and accurately describes the enemy stand. They're like, what happened here? He's like, oh, I fought a guy. The sword is able to cut through things. <laughs> and that seems crazy to me. It's like, it's, it's, it's really weird that he just accurately describes that. You think they would have picked up on the fact that the stand hadn't disappeared them, though. Yeah, yeah, you think someone would ask that question. But before they can really think about it, and here's our answer to probably how the sword got there, uh, a group of rats have picked up the sword and are trying to run away with it. So I guess maybe... Oh, he... is that what you think? I think that rats or something left it there. How? Who controlled the rats? I don't know, maybe he could talk to them. Maybe he could speak to animals. He did try speaking to animals later. Yeah, but I guess maybe like land creatures? Maybe mammals. Maybe he has powers over mammals. <laughs> 
Not that I know all of Anubis's powers. But I mean, yeah, they... Who yeah, does? Exactly. Uh, they grab the sword back. Uh, Joseph uh, scolds Polnareff. And uh, they hear like a boat sound. They're like, oh God, we're going to miss our boat. Let's go. And uh, as they're going away, they have a great conversation where Polnareff is like, oh, we get, let's take the sword. I want to give it to the cops. And all the while, they're ignoring Iggy, just barking and barking and barking it. <laughs> and uh, yeah. They, they, they talk about how they're going to give it to the cops. We cut ahead. I assume they caught their boat. Now they're at a hotel. And they're still talking about why he has the sword. And he's like, well, I'm going to go give it to the cops. They're like, well, the buddy system needs to remain. So they decide to send Jotaro with him. So, hey, Jotaro and Polnareff. Jotaro and uh, episode, man. Hell yeah. Uh, and yet again, I think even Avdol, who usually is one of the smarter cookies in the gang, is ignoring Iggy's barking, which I think is kind of silly. Uh, did Avdol... Forget was it this was it the end of the next episode or this one where Abdul says I don't want to go with him, like he definitely doesn't want to pair up with Polar F anymore. Yeah, I think maybe that's part of it. He's like, well, it's not going to be me. Yeah, I think you're right. But yeah, so Joseph is nominated to do it, <laughs> which you know what, good on that. Yeah. Which uh, please tell me how this next scene happens because it cuts to Polar F getting a haircut. How did he convince Joseph? Why did Joseph let this happen? He didn't like, convince Joseph. He didn't tell him. Well, like, they had to walk to there, had to walk in. He had to ask him if they had an availability. He had to sit down and get the haircut. Like, Do you mean, how did he convince Jotaro? Yeah, Jotaro, yeah. Well, he didn't. Jotaro was just following Polnareff. I guess, yeah. Well, he's got his magazine. Yeah, he's like, yeah. oh, I have some reading to do. Uh, it's it's weird. But yeah, so we have a like a, a an extended little sequence where... Uh, the barber is going to give Polnareff a shave, but he has a dull blade, and Polnareff's kind of a dick about it. But you know what? That's That could hurt. So yeah. maybe I could see why he's like, hey, man, if you're going to shave my neck, make sure it's sharp. Make sure it's sharp. Uh, they then pan over to make sure that we know that um, Jotaro is asleep. Right. Meanwhile, so, uh, the barber yeah. is looking shady as hell, too. He looks like a big, mean dude. It's a good fake out. Like if uh, the He looks like a JoJo villain. Yeah. But right now, there's nothing to say that he is a JoJo villain, but he definitely looks like a JoJo villain. <laughs> he's like huge. He's big. He's beefy. He's got that like the 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 big brow kind of yeah. uh, the big like caveman kind of look going on. Yeah, he's him. got the caveman kind. He, he he's uh, he's like a descendant of Tarkus. There we go. Yeah, Mad Tarkus vibes off this guy. Tarkus spread his seed wide in his days. Indeed, indeed. Um, but yeah, so we get that old bit. I mean, he's going to shave, uh, Polnareff. He then, uh, starts shaving him with a sharpened blade and we get a really good, like, uh, Magni feet, like Polnareff starts doing the really slow French. And I think it's funny. It, I, you have to imagine that sounds similar to when we're hearing the English from these That's voice a good actors. Point. Yeah, it was, it was fun. And, uh, we get the, Marcy of course, Bouclé. yeah, Marcy Bouclé. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Yeah. Uh, then Polnareff asked the guy to murder him by saying, like, that's good, now do under the neck. And instead of the uh, <laughs> instead of the uh, the razor blade, it is the Anubis sword. The barber has been possessed, and the episode has ended. How did the barber get possessed? Do you think when Polnareff was asleep, he just looked at it? I don't know. Well, he handed him, I guess instead of the thing that he hands the barber the sword for, like, a, it's like, hey, make sure to put that over there in that chair. We're taking this thing to the police. So maybe in in the second and a half that he held it, it gave it. It took him over, or 
I don't know. Paul Nareff was being kind of a jerk, so who knows how that all yeah, went down. It's He was definitely being a little over, like, yes, there could be bad service, but you don't have to be that rude. But yeah, that's what, that's, that's what Paul Nareff did. Uh, it, I think that's a pretty good first fight. Uh, I'm I'm surprised that Chaka was so quickly dis- dismissed. Yeah, I know. Like usually, when someone looks that handsome, they stay around for a while. It, and all right, so then I'll, I will say another thing. Chaka is one of the playable characters in the Dreamcast fighting game. Oh, good for him. So I'm this is with Anubis. Yeah, with Anubis. Yeah, yeah. it's Chaka with Anubis. And so I had the idea that it's like, oh, okay. Well, if he's one of the fighting game characters, he must put up a fight. No. No, he does not. Well, and he looks really cool in the fighting game. You don't think he had a good fight in this episode? Actually, you know what? He gets a good hit in. It was it was very anime for a moment there, like yeah, very like you know, almost running through the bamboo forest and swinging swords kind of thing. Just that's with a good point. Giant stone pillars. I guess I'm thinking of the fact that it's like we he basically gets Indiana Jones. Oh yeah, like that. Maybe that's why in my brain I, I underrate him because he just Paul fires one shot and he gets taken down. But yeah, we're on to our second host. Uh, any any extra thoughts? Anything you, you want to you think about this episode before we move to the part two? Now let's get right in. All righty, we're jumping right into it. <laughs> uh, we pick up where we left off. Uh, Ponorov does like a sick in-chair backflip to get out of the way, and it forces the barber to like, like he doesn't stab himself, but he like, like long ways, like jams the sword into his chest. I don't know if that counts as a stab. It's like you know? a long stab. Yeah, that's a good question. I need a swordologist. Like, is that just not like a like an unmoving slice, a slice that doesn't go anywhere? Yeah, if it's a long cut like that, it's not moving. It's just straight in. Yeah. Huh. So yeah, I don't know what that counts as. <laughs> um, but yeah. So uh, then they have a thing where Paul Naraf is kind of smug at first. And then the barber strikes back with Anubis, and we see uh, it's really weird looking because uh, Silver Chariot, like the blade, kind of like boops into his face and it cuts him. And Polnareff also starts bleeding, but it's weird to see Silver Chariot bleed. Oh yeah, because it's just metal. Mm-hmm. What's the idea? Like, I guess Silver Chariot's got eyes, but like the idea that there's like potentially like a fleshy internal stand. Is something that I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I'm ready to think about that. I almost feel like even if there wasn't something fleshy and internal, they would still bleed because stands are weird. Yeah. And he bleeds red blood. Mm-hmm. Bleeds his own blood. Um, <laughs> and we right. get the intro. Right before the intro, though, we get the whole, we get the, like, almost Joseph Joestar level of uh, the gimmick for this uh, sword. Oh, yeah, shoot. I didn't write that in my notes. You're totally right. The whole, um, uh, he will never lose to someone he's already fought because he learns everything that he fights. Yeah, so that's his other power. He can possess people. And he, he learns. Can control mammals. I guess and he that, learns. I guess that's impressive in an anime. Exactly. He's he's like Taskmaster. Um, but yeah, we we cut back. Uh, Joseph is playing around with Iggy, and then Iggy just starts fight uh, farting on him. So more Iggy fart humor. It always wins with me. I don't know why. I'm, I'm not the biggest fart fan, but for whatever reason, when Iggy farts, I'm like, ah. <laughs> because Iggy is adorable. Iggy is adorable. Uh, we get another thing where um, Jotaro wakes up because of all the commotion. And once again, Paul Raff does another great job where he's like, 
Let me quickly and accurately and succinctly summarize the situation we're in. He's like, the barber's been possessed by the sword, and I think he can beat me. <laughs> it gets credits, credits to the Polnareff effort credit is due. Yeah, he's real quick on the uptake. He tries to use his ability again, which I guess I, maybe I should look up if it has a name or not, but he try, he like shoots the uh, the blade out of the sword again, but because he's already seen it happen, Anubis is able to deflect and is easily able to do that and delivers another promo about like, I, if I've seen something, you can't beat me. Um, and Ponoroff is like, oh no, I'm screwed. And Jotaro, you can't fight because you only have bare hands. So Jotaro fights Anubis and easily wins because he punches the barber. <laughs> well, the rest the of this episode is proving Polnareff wrong about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a really great delivery moment where it's like, how can you, with your bare stand hands, fight a sword? And Jotaro's just immediately like, um, I could just punch the guy holding the sword. <laughs> I could punch him through the wall, out into the ground, out into the dirt. Um, and Jotaro has a thing where he talks about how this is going to be an interesting fight because they're not fighting a gimmick user. This is actually a, a stand that is just like pure strength. So it's like got to be a brute force fight. Like an actual combat, which they have not had in forever. Yeah. So it's like, this is kind of, it is funny. I'm, I'm glad the show acknowledged that because I don't think that fully clicked in my head. And I do think it's really neat for them to be like, yeah. Oh, it has all been just trickery. It's all been trickery. And this is one where it's like, nah, I'm just really strong. I know that I have all these things like controlling mammals and possession, but my main <laughs> thing is that I'm strong. The controlling mammals totally listed on all Wikipedia pages for this stand. It should. Is it? Is it not? It is. No, no. What? I'm going to make an account on the JoJo wiki and add controlling mammals <laughs> to one of Anubis's powers. And annoying fish. I think he could annoy the fish. He can annoy them, but he cannot control them. Anyway, we get a great animated transition effect where the guy gets back up, and it's a really neat cut. Um, I just love it when they do neat transitions yeah. like that. Yeah. It's hard to describe, but it looks really cool. Um, people are like, oh, my God, why are you fighting the barber? And they're like, he's possessed. And everyone's like, oh, okay. And they just back up. To be fair, dude's holding a sword. No reason to stay around. Yeah. No reason to question him. And we get his name, I think his name is Khan. They're like, hey, Khan, what's up? And yeah. they're like, get away from that guy. He's evil now. God, they all, like, know him, too. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's, the, you think about that where it's, like, the other business owners. So it's like, oh, my goodness. It's like, what are your coworkers? Like, you walk into the break room, and there's, like, a bunch of foreigners you've never met fighting your coworker. But your coworker's holding a sword and looks menacing. So it's, 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 it's quite the sitch. Quite the sitch. Uh, we get a great fight moment where Anubis tries to fight Star Platinum, and Star Platinum does the uh, sword catch thing, which is hype, and then snaps the blade in half. And that would be the end of the episode, real fast. Yep, yep. the rest of it is uh, all Iggy stuff, if only. I'd watch uh, it. Exactly, me too. I'd be really excited. Uh, Anubis gets to make a little comment where he's impressed with the abilities of Jotaro and how fast he is, and the barber passes out. Um, he has not been torn in half, so the possession thing doesn't seem to have that factor to it. But it is enough to, uh, because Anubis is not controlling the barber, he does pass out. Um, and then Polnareff, and yet another moment of clarity, yells at people not to touch or pick up the sword, and then tries to carefully pick up the blade with the hilt. 
where he's like, as long as I don't touch the sword part of this thing, I think I will be fine. We had a, there was a wonderful one of those tension moments where they take a long time to very, very carefully try and put the sword back in the scabbard. And they draw that out over like what longer than you think that would take. It was like bomb squad style. Like cutting the wire. Yeah. Both sweat. They're both breaking out in a sweat. Oof. And because, and Ponoraf rightly says like, Oh God, I'm glad we won there. Because he's already seen all of our stuff, and that means we can't win. Uh, they decide then that the only option they have is to throw the sword into the river. They're like, throw this thing into the Nile. That doesn't seem uh, like a great plan, though, right? I mean, it, it's a future JoJo's problem, then. I Leave guess. this for our descendants. <laughs> we don't have to deal with it. <laughs> um, and then, unfortunately, the cops show up, or a cop shows up, and he's like, hey... I got you at least on destruction of property, and it looks like you beat up the barber. So what's going on? Um, there's a bit of a struggle which culminates in Polnareff accidentally drawing the sword and getting possessed. So it is time for Jotaro versus Polnareff. This fight's been coming. It's been teased. Uh, it looks like Polnareff is about to use the like half sword. Because the sword is broken, but it's enough of a it's got enough of a point to kill someone. Uh, it looks like he's going to kill the cop, but Jotaro is able to. Uh, Star Platinum shoved the cop out of the way. He's probably going to go to the hospital, but he won't be murdered. Uh, I then wrote in my notes, so who's now wanted in Egypt for assaulting a police officer? Is it Polnareff <laughs> or Jotaro? I bet you somehow it's still Joseph. Ah, wanted again. <laughs> what I love about this episode is that this it, it's the exact same thing that we're used to all over again, is that everything's happening, Joseph's still back at the hotel. Yeah. It's he's in his natural habitat. Like uh, it's like if he, anyone could ask for help, it's like oh, Paul Darf's fighting. I just come back to the hotel. Him and Abdul hanging out. <laughs> I mean, at least Kakuyn's blind right now. He, he there's no reason that he should be walking out and about. That's true. Oh man, he's got Abdul. You're right. He's hanging out with Abdul right now. They're the old yeah. team. Abdul's alive. The hotel boys are back. Together. Yeah. <laughs> the hotel boys hanging out in the hotel, not doing anything. Um, but yeah, uh, we get another, um, I do want to note that the colors change a couple of times. So we get our first color change and it's awesome. It's like very yellow hued and the, uh, battle begins. I love how just like the colors will just change on a dime in this show. Sometimes you don't even notice. It's used so well. I think it's, it's used with like the emotion or the moment or something like that. Right. Uh, unfortunately, Jotaro, not listening to any of the promos that have been delivered by Anubis, immediately tries to do the catch blade thing again. But Anubis uh, does a thing where he adjusts his speed and speeds up at the last second um, to avoid being clapped on by Star Platinum. Uh, fortunately for Jojo, Jotaro, uh, he is quick on his thinking, and Star Platinum headbutts the blade out of the way to stop him from being murdered. And in that same motion, he does a weird double hand chop onto Paul Naraf's neck. How's that um, for with bare hands, Polnareff? Yeah. Yeah, his bare hands. It's it's a cool moment. It's a cool movement. Um, though uh, Jotaro thinks he's like, oh, man, I got to go full force. I got to forget about Polnareff if I'm going to win this fight. It so the stakes are kind of high. They're getting really good at this point. Like, we finally get to see some in-team fighting for the stake of their lives. Um, Jotaro has this one line he delivers where he's like, man, I, I, I don't know what to do. I've never even thought about fighting Polnareff before. Which seems yeah. a bit weird, weird on the one hand, because he was introduced as an enemy. Mm -hmm. So you never even considered it from that? Well, I mean, he watched... 
from Jotaro's angle, it's like, oh, that was Abdal's fight. Like, do you think he was really paying attention to Abdal's fight? That's true. That's probably true. Especially back then when he was not barely a part of the anime. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's just, I have one line from like the first Mass Effect that plays in my head with Erdn my, my boy Erdnot Rex saying, and that's why Shepard would win. <laughs> so he's already screwed. He should have thought about this sooner. He should have thought about it sooner. He should always prepare. He should always prepare. Um, Anubis, uh, basically reading Jotaro's mind is like, do you really think you can kill Paul Nareff? Well, tough cookies. And, uh, we get a great moment where Anubis summons Silver Chariot, who then grabs Anubis in his dual epic wielding. Dual wielding stand! It's so cool. And then they ruin it because he does a, does a dumb helicopter wrist spinny thing. It was like, uh, I don't know what meme I'm thinking of, but, like, just imagine, like, very excited and then going, aww. Uh, I can never find that one when I'm looking for, but I know the one you're talking about. But yeah, it's like you just see like guy do like stand dual wielding, a stand holding a stand and dual wielding, and then dumb helicopter, and you're just like, God damn it, oh, dude! The next the next part of this fight is straight up the the anime tropism now. Oh hell yeah! Oh, we get a, exactly. We get another color shift. It shifts to purple now, which is also still very cool. And yeah, he does a whole bunch of quick uh, quick flurry of stabs. Jotaro is able to try and knock some of them out of the way with Star Platinum. But like there's um, little like some some cuts are getting through. So we're seeing like little bits of like, I think on Jotaro's cheek and a couple of other areas, he starts showing little bits of uh, cuts and this and that. Um, things seem to be dire. And then Matt, do you want to say it for me? What happens? <laughs> it's the finger. He gives him the finger, Pat. Star finger makes its glorious turn. It's glorious, glorious return. Since its introduction, I think. We haven't we've literally not have seen it since uh strength, have we? Exactly. We've not seen it since he used it to kill an orangutan or try to kill an orangutan. Um he uses it and it shatters part of Silver Chariot's armor, which I guess counts as armor because Polnareff's shoulder sure doesn't explode. It's been so long since we've seen Silver Chariot that I for I had a moment where I went, wait, has he always had those shoulder pieces? Remember, he has the he has the full he has the uh, he can ditch his armor. He can, but I honestly didn't remember him having the shoulder pieces as part of his armor before now. Like I had to it, go back and watch an older episode. Oh, he has had that. No, it is confirmed. It is yeah. confirmed. But yeah, so he then um, I guess yet, yet again that does not hurt uh, Paul Naraf, and then Anubis is like, oh yeah, I guess that armor is just for show, and then activates full speed mode. <laughs> um. And then, you know, does this little speed thing and then stabs um, Platinum's hands with the saber. Like, he uses the uh, the Silver Chariot saber to stab Star Platinum's hands together above Jotaro's head and then uses the Anubis sword to stab him, J Jotaro, in the stomach, which is a, a, a rather devastating attack. And, like, really viciously done, I think. It was a lot of blood immediately out of his mouth. Yeah, uh, our boy's been hit. Our boy has been hit. And then, yet again, just as they've ruined the dual wielding with helicopters, uh, for some reason, Anubis now starts showing up, and he looks so stupid. It undermines everything. Wiley Coyote was the perfect way to describe the way he looks now. Yeah, Wiley Coyote. It's just like he's got the long mouth, and how they've decided to animate the long mouth is stupid. 
like they don't even try to lean into the god of death thing. Like nothing is serious about him anymore. He's he's cackling, he's grinning, he's screaming. Yeah, he's like all overhead, like I've got you now. Ha 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 ha. And um he's like, All I gotta do is stab you some more, and you're totally dead. And Jotaro goes like, Hey, <laughs> hold on, man. Don't if you, if you stab me anymore, <laughs> you'll be committing a murder. That's <laughs> just I love that line. It's like, no, <laughs> don't. Don't That's, do it. Don't murder. Don't do a murder. <laughs> like, no, that's illegal. That's that's not right. Um God, it's so funny. He then like grabs the blade. And then, and then in which which you know what? I didn't think of this as an idea. Um he grabs it and then um then Star Platinum punches the sword and breaks it again. And again and again and again until there's nothing left of the blade but the hilt. It's like a really quick thing, and because like, uh, because the sword was being he because the sword was being held in his gut, he was able to, you know, keep it in one place and break it. And then Jojo then mentions like the you don't remember that murder I said you murdered yourself, and then Star Platinum like is holding its its hand over his ear, which I thought was a kind of funny little animated bit. I like the little like. Can you hear that? Huh? Yeah. Huh? Do you hear that? It's the sound of a bitch dying. Oh, you done got punked. <laughs> um. Yeah. So Joe Troy does that one liner, but then immediately falls to the ground because his gut is open. Yeah. And he does that thing you're not supposed to do, where you remove the blade from a puncture wound. Like instead of pulling it out of his gut, he rips it out, which allows all of his blood to just start coming out. Um. Paul Duraf wakes up and again, like five for five, accurately describes the situation. He's like, I must have been possessed and fought Jotaro. Oh no. Which he, he's just selectively awesome in his perception sometimes. He's like, today is the day that I'm on point. Uh, we then get an amazing bit where um <laughs> the top half of the blade gets picked up by a child who then possesses the child. So there's still some Anubis left. Like, I can't tell if there's any Anubis left in the hilt, but there's certainly some Anubis left in the top half of the blade. Well, the hilt's dust now, right? Didn't he just completely shatter it? Oh, okay. I thought he just shattered the rest of the sword. I thought there was... Yeah, I guess, yeah, he shattered that. Yo, yeah, he crunched it before yeah. he fell down. You're right. But there are, like, so, also, like, little other tiny blade bits from when he punched them off. So how is Anubis only in the one piece now? Well, I guess he goes to the biggest piece or something. I don't know. Mm. Um, but, yeah, the, the kid picks up the blade, and then Anubis gives his backstory, which is a little suspect. He's like, 500 years ago, a bladesmith made me, and I was his stand, but then he died, but I kept going along for some reason. And then Dio found me in a museum. And I don't know, that makes me way into Dio. But whatever, he forces the kid to do a weird splits. Like, Yeah, that. Did you take that screenshot just for this? I found it on the wiki. I sent it to you. Okay. Everyone needs to watch this episode just to see the weird ass JoJo pose that this child does with the blade <laughs> over his head. Innocent looking young boy. Who right before he picks villain. up that sword. He's like licking a lollipop or something. He's like yeah. eating candy. Or is it like just, a bun or something? Yeah. I remember it being a lollipop. Yeah. Um, and then he just gets like he looked perfectly normal. He picks up the sword and he gets this cartoonish like scowl Arr. on his face. 
I'm a mean 30-year-old man. Ah. Uh, he's doing like the splits, which doesn't make any sense because he's not really stabilizing himself to throw the blade. And he's like, all right, they're not even paying attention. I'm going to murder these guys. But ba bum Iggy runs in. Iggy, who, like, what is he doing there? Runs in and then starts eating the candy off the ground, which causes the kid to trip. And his toss goes long. And really, like superhuman toss too, because it's going real far. I guess that maybe that's the fifth power of Anubis. He can supplement the strength of his users. Well, he made Khan like get bigger out of nowhere. Like he like grew. Yeah, he did make Khan. But yeah, it's it's very interesting. Yeah, I don't know. But then you know what? I'm not gonna think too much of it because this next sequence is fucking incredible. <laughs> Like, we get to see the emotional journey of Anubis realizing, like, oh, no, he overthrew me. Oh, no, I'm heading towards the Nile. <laughs> and then well, he's like, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, but it's, we get, it's a willy wonty thing over and over again at this moment. Like, I'm going to hit that wall. It's going to save me. And then he black cats through the wall by accident. And he's like, oh, no. <laughs> I panicked. <laughs> I panicked and used my powers and missed the wall. And he's like, oh. Great! I'll 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 land on that boat. I'm gonna I'm gonna stab that boat, and then the guy driving the boat will probably check me out, and I'll possess him. Oh no! I've stabbed myself into the ass of a cow. <laughs> oh no! Uh, do you think it's the same cow as before? Maybe. I, I guess. Well, yeah. Someone must have got that cow because everyone else who was supposed to be watching that cow was now dead. Yeah. Except for Chaka, who must be recovering somewhere. Of um. Course. We get a great cutaway real quick because Paul Nerf is like, hey, do you see that cow freaking out of there? And Joe like, shut up about these cows. I'm dying. <laughs> like, how did he even notice? It's how, so far like, away, they, too. They, they were, had to be pinpricks in the distance. But Paul Nerf, he's got good, he's got ears for cows. Oh, <laughs> uh, which I think is really funny. He's got cows for ears and ears for cows. <laughs> um... But yeah, so that goes, and they cut back, and he's like, oh, God, and the cow freaks out, and it falls off the boat, and he, as the, the guy's trying to get his cow back on the boat or try to mitigate the cow from drowning, the blade slips out and falls to the bottom of the River Nile. And before the next scene happened, I wrote in my notes, "Oh, it's almost like cars. Oh, But instead of space, he's just going to be on the bottom of a river. Like, will he just go insane over time? I mean, how long has he... He's been alive for 500 years. Has he been in use that whole time? I don't know. Well, he was in a museum for a while, but I, I mean, mean, he could probably hate people from afar in a museum. Maybe. That's right. He was in a museum for a while. But Lord Dio was at the bottom of the ocean for 100 years, so, you know, you suck know it up. This only makes him more like Dio. He should be excited. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he, he then starts bargaining to any creature that swims by. He's like, Mr. Fish, crabs, anything, come on. So you think, you think they can actually hear him, or is he just crazy and desperate? Only mammals. Only mammals. They all start swimming away after he begs them, so. Yeah, so maybe fish are just jerks. Or they know they know an evil blade when they see one. Yeah, man, you can't just rats. Rats will do anything. Rats will do anything. Uh, and then the, the anime goes out of a way to like put text on the screen to let us know that Anubis is totally lost and is retired. Defeated. Retired. Just like again, Anubis retired. Anubis retired. I I I man, that's so great. <laughs> oh, I love the next the next five seconds. 
The next five seconds are all great. Um, <laughs> we get a bit where Iggy is just kind of staring off into the sun, and Polnareff is like, what are you looking at, you stupid dog? And he slaps him. So Iggy then jumps on his face and farts, which is great. Uh, it's, well, it's like good, because like, it's a big close-up of Iggy's face. He's looking normal, and then he just starts like breaking out into a smile. Like I guess he can tell Anubis is defeated or something. I guess so, maybe. Yeah, he's just like, like <laughs> yeah, and there's like the sweet music's playing. It's like bright new dawn. It's like, and Iggy is looking so happy. And just, what are yeah, you doing, you stupid mutt? <laughs> you stupid idiot dog. Yeah, Paul Duraf, like not being likable in that moment. Um, <laughs> that but then he immediately good. gets his comeuppance. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a good thing he did a lot of too. Time. Or he'd be a JoJo villain right now. Don't abuse exactly. dogs, man. Hey, this dog, this dog knows how to fight for himself. But we then get maybe I don't. I'm gonna say maybe underrated. I love this line. Abdul basically just goes like, "Huh, I guess I wasn't in this episode." <laughs> All that happened without us, huh? And he's like, "Huh, look at that. Where is it in it?" And uh, the camera starts uh, panning back, and no one helps Polnareff. No, at all. As Iggy is continually farting on his face. Yeah, here's uh, where the, the, sorry. Yeah. Here's where the line was where where Evdal went. All the thing I know is I'm never going to be paired with him again. Yeah. <laughs> both him and uh, Joseph do the like synchronized head nod. It's like, hmm, yeah. Hmm. We've had our adventures. Uh, the narrator makes a return, and he does this extended description of like, this was out of place, right? This is for the manga, and. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So apparently, this was like earlier in the manga and uh, the Oingo Boingo episode. Oh, really? Yeah. This was like their introduction to Egypt. Oh, interesting. Which was weird. It still feels weird here, though. Well, this is odd then. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So they they basically have a thing where it's like, hey, Egypt is really ethnically diverse, and so and so, and they outline like a couple of ethnic like backgrounds and stuff like that. But they don't exactly finish the description because then it goes like, and then there's, and it's just a hot lady. Like, they don't go like who, her, what her background is or what she is. It's like, there's four kinds of dudes and hot ladies. Those are the four groups of Egypt. <laughs> I don't know what he was trying to do here. Like, in the first one he showed up, I feel like this had to, like, this is a typical Egyptian. And it is another one of, like, weirdly ugly kind of dudes. It's like, oh, come on. Yeah. It's like, and then it keeps going on, well. Like, this is an Egyptian, this is a Bedouin, or this is an Indian. He's got nothing to do with this. Yeah, which I thought was kind of funny, but it's like, you'll see those guys from time to time. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. I'm very curious to see where this all goes. Um, is she an I know. user, Pat? Yeah, she might be. She might be. I mean, they're teasing her like she's one. Jodor <laughs> has already said that we had a maybe with Joseph to remember we got we got a whirlwind to go through here. We're on the clock so, and we got a lot of stand users to go through. They have five left now, right? Um, uh, depending on if Oigo Boigo counts as two out of yeah. the nine or one of the nine. Is like they killed um they killed Geb. Then they've got Thoth and and Coom and now Anubis. So that's four. Right. So there's five left. Yeah. All right, cool. So this is what I want to say. They said there were nine Egyptian gods. He saw nine people walking. Was one of those nine, like, the sword wearing a cloak? You know, maybe maybe the Speedwagon Foundation didn't get the best, the best reconnaissance back to us. Yeah. So that's my... 
that's my little thing where it's like, I don't know if that that's my weird, dumb nitpick that doesn't really matter. Because Maybe they, it lines up because, you know, do you think any of them saw like the younger Ongo Bungo brother in a cloak walk out of there? Maybe. Well, I mean, in my mind, he just said nine and hadn't designed the characters yet. Like when that line was probably said in the manga. Like, that's my theory. It's a practical reason. Sure. I'm, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt in that way. I don't know if I need to be giving him the benefit of the doubt, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt. Well, that's not as fun as coming up with an insane in canon reason. Oh, okay. Well, then, uh, well, I guess Anubis must have been possessing someone else. Do you think he willingly gives up hosts? You know, it's a good question. Do you think he like you think he had another host at the time that was carrying around? Yeah, because it's like it's not like Dio like I've rescued you from this museum. Now stay on my fireplace till I need you to murder the Joe Stars. Let's you don't. Well, here's the thing. We know someone had to have delivered the sword to where it was at some point. So odds are Dio had someone carrying it out of there too. Whole probably horse. wouldn't have been one of the other ones. Yeah. I'm just gonna say whole horse. You you think he's the gopher? I I think he's gotta be the gopher. <laughs> he's gotta be the gopher. I mean, that's the thing. It's, I just want more whole horse, so I'm just hoping that he shows up. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. We'll see him again. We better. God darn it. Um, and then extra little thing, because I just like bringing up this stupid Dreamcast game, but I'm going to bring it up anyway. Uh, one of the unlockable characters in the Dreamcast game was Polnareff with the half Anubis sword. Oh, that's cool. And he was a Rekka character, so he played different from normal Polnareff. Hmm. So just to just to throw that out there, just to throw that out there. Um, and then uh, I guess looking at a couple of things, uh, the anime added a lot of Iggy scenes. I saw that on the wiki. I think that's cool that they added more Iggy. There always needs to be more Iggy. Yeah. Can't... And they added Starfinger. Wait, what? Really? Yes. Uh, the fight in between the fight between Jotaro and Anubis Polnareff is slightly expanded upon with scenes that include, but not limited to, Star Platinum using Starfinger and Silver Chariot using its armor takeoff ability. But that was where, like, I guess, you know, I guess, yeah, in retrospect, they, they could have been cut from the fight and it wouldn't have changed too much. Mm -hmm. Didn't feel like it at the time, though. Oh, no. And it, it those seemed like great and awesome moments. I think seeing Silver Chariot dual wield was really cool. Yes, I wish that somehow he would gain an extra saber like for the stand at this point because that like you've really leveled cool. up or something out of yeah. it. Yeah. It's like do the do stands leveling up even make sense? Can, can they can they evolve and change with their users? They do in persona. Exactly. He maxed he mashed he uh he maximized his social link with Polnareff. What what's the persona thing? I am you are uh, me and uh, I am you. You are thy and I are thou or something. There, yeah, like that. Yeah, like when you max out a social link, their persona uh, turns into a better version of the persona. I don't know what Silver Chariot would turn into. Titanium Chariot. There you go. <laughs> it's better than silver. Gold Chariot. It just turns gold. Golden Chariot. Yeah, that's right. I get behind that one. Be it just has to say Chariot. Yeah, it just would be all gold. Oh, that'd be cool. Um... But yeah, those are. I think this is a great, uh, a great grouping of episodes. It's been fun. Like you said, we had a great pacing from uh, the Oingo Boingo brothers, giving us a moment to, like you said, breathe. Yeah, it was nice, and the pacing in the episode itself was fantastic. 
yeah, one of the best comedic, just how all the comedy played out was so good and so wonderful and was just a ton of fun. And this, the battle, I, I'm going to say, I'm gonna, I want to give them credit. Like having multiple hosts for Anubis, I think is one of the things that made this play so well. It kept it fresh. It kept it fun. It was neat to see a brute force fight. Yep, I'm glad. And we got the neat thing where we finally got to see, you know, the good guys fight each other. Which yes. Is, which is always something that, like, I guess comics are bigger about this than other story places. But it's it's always desired from the fan base to see that. They're like, oh, I know who would win now. Yeah, everybody wants to see everybody fight. Like, that's why tournament arcs are great, because that gives you an excuse to have your heroes just fight. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was cool to see that. And then not... I'm glad that we got to see two of our heroes fight without them having been tricked. Like, I'm okay that it was a possession. Yeah, it was nice to have a... Like, I guess it's also part of the pacing then, isn't it, though? Yeah. Like, we just had a straight fight at this point. We haven't really had a, just a contest of combat skills in a while. Yeah. It was cool. It made Silver Chariot look real cool. Like, it, it definitely made Silver Chariot look strong. Which I don't know the last time he got to look strong, so I'm glad that he had this chance. You feel like Avdol would have made this much shorter? Yes. Like the, I'm starting to think Magician's Red is overpowered, which is why we never see it in a fight. Oh, he's got the Superman problem? Like, he would have just melted the sword? Yeah, just straight up. Like, he, wasn't, he doesn't have to get near him. Doesn't have to really do much of anything other than just set him on fire. And I guess he can set metal on fire because his firepowers are insane. Yeah, he's not a Haman user. Metal's no problem for him. Yeah. <laughs> not that silly Haman. He would just be like, tisk, 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 and he would just win. <laughs> oh, man. I can't believe how much I've turned on Avdol. Avdol's cool. I like Avdol. Yeah. All he had to do was die and be brought back to life. You know, the easy way to do things. Uh, He was Avdol the Grey. <laughs> oh man, rebooted Avdol is great. I'm really excited <laughs> about that. So I guess we have this lady to look forward to. I wonder, do you think we're gonna get everybody fighting this lady, or if we're gonna get another pair off? Um, God, we should get another. I don't feel like we've had the whole team working together in a while. That's a good Maybe point. I'm misremembering. It would be nice to see like the whole, the whole team having to do something together yeah. again, like we did for the Empress. I think it was the last time. Mm-hmm. I was really impressed when we got a whole like group together episode. It was, and it's neat to see them all work together. I could see a world where like two of the characters are watching Catcoin again, and then two of the characters get caught up in the fight so easily. That's yeah. my functional. Life, We've had. Yeah. Yeah, like Iraq is definitely working. Like all these, all these arcs have had excuses to keep people out of them, so we don't yeah. have too big a cast at one time. So yeah, I mean, either way, I'm looking forward to it. Maybe, maybe we can get an Avdol episode. We haven't really seen Avdol really participate a ton. Like yeah, just like what we were saying. Um, yeah. What if she's not the enemy stand user? Ooh, have we seen old like Lisa Lisa yet? Has ah! she gotten old? I don't think that lady's old. I think she is. You think she hasn't aged a day since we saw her? Oh, Lisa, Lisa, no, she's definitely old. She's like, oh man, how Joseph? How old is Joseph in this? Nice. Um, <laughs> nice. God, I don't. I know we know. I know we know. I just don't remember. I don't think he's as old as I think he is, but he's definitely old. He's like, what do you think he's like in his sixties? Why does he 50s? look so old? He uses him on. 
Well, did he stop? Maybe, yeah. Maybe he just maybe he's, he's, maybe he's out of to, practice. You have to constantly practice, maybe. All right, so he was born in 1920. So he's 69. Man, nice. Well, um, he's almost 70. Okay, he's doing good for 70. Yeah, I guess he's doing okay for 70. Wait, is Although, he really 70? No, wasn't Lisa Lisa 70 when we saw her in in uh, Battle Tennessee? She was 50. She was 50. Whoa, she was 50. Hey, you know she's 50? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just like uh, Anne. Yeah. Oh, Anne. Everyone's <laughs> favorite. Man. Oh, man. You I'm glad her? that, man, I miss her because she was the smartest character during the dumbest portions of this show. But, like, the show doesn't have room for her anymore because no one's being super stupid. Like, she was great because everyone was an idiot and she was the one person that was like, you know, like, hey, guys, this seems like the worst way we could be doing this. And she was always reliable for that. I like Anne. Yeah. Although, I guess she didn't really have much of a role in the manga, from what I read. Like, she was a very small character. Yeah, I think they probably added to her. And they extended her a bit in this. And I keep meaning to keep track of these changes a little bit better. Yeah, it's, I, can't, I can't imagine a world with less Anne. I want it more. More. More! I'm going but to yeah. assume that your wife theory didn't pan out with her, though. Uh, I hope. Do we know? Do we, we still know? hope. I've, I've refused to check until we are told. Until we are told. I mean, there's got to be somewhere like I could probably look up like a family tree graphic like all over everywhere that says who it is. Um, but yeah, no, I had, I had a blast. With these I'm looking forward to more JoJo. This is continually just proving to be such a great and wonderful series. I'm ready for what's next. Yeah, can't wait to see. Uh, what's the name of the next one we got coming up in our future? Uh, it uh, is uh, Bast's Mariah. Ooh, so Bast. I recognize Bast. Bast. Bassette, yeah, I mean, Bassette or whatever. Bassette, yeah, it's the, the cat one. So, yeah, it's probably her. She's probably the enemy stand user. Oh, man. Does probably not a question. A... <laughs> does that mean she's got, like, a, a cat stand or something? She'll fight Iggy. Oh, man, what if it is? What if it's an Iggy episode? He takes the lead. Oh, man. Finally. Finally. Iggy takes the lead. Yeah, that's the cat lady. That's the cat goddess. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't lying. Yeah. Well, there we go. That'll be exciting. That'll be fun. I'm I'm excited for more JoJo, and I will. Uh, I just I'm just way. It's it's such an exciting time too with the uh, Jojolian wrapping up and just everyone just like just there's so much energy and excitement around JoJo right now. So it's it's really cool to just be kind of riding into this, riding yeah. it in the same way. We're breezing through too. Like I know this doesn't sound like a lot. We're only doing like two or three episodes a time, but it adds up. Yeah, that's up fast. This is only episode 25, I think, of this podcast. Man. And we are chewing through uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. It's those random triples. Yeah, those triples. They, they, they force us, us to do triples. Uh, they speed us up. Especially when we may have to do a quadruple at the end of this. Oh, my God. No. Like, there is a quadruple at the end of this, but maybe. Maybe. maybe yeah, can... at that point, we just go like, and cliffhanger. Yeah, we're gonna have to divide that one out. Or or like we find a week where hopefully we could do like the recordings back to back. Like yeah. we don't combine it, but it's like, hey, we like so you don't have to sit on that. Well, I cliffhanger in quotations, one of the things to spoil for you, but Right. But yeah, so you know what? I I, I say I I'm down for wrapping this one up. You ready for a, a a book out? Yeah, let's book it out. Book out! Book out!